Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. All right. I'm going to dive into the Word. You've been standing a long time, so you go ahead and have a seat. I told him on Monday night, I'm telling you folks, many of you were here, many of you were here. I implored the church to come and be a part of it. We had, anybody here from Monday night? Who was, yep, I see a bunch of hands. We had a powerful time of prayer. God moved in this place on Monday night. And I don't know how rough it's got to get out there in the secular world for people to say, hey, you know what? Instead of Wednesday night service, they're having a special, powerful prayer service. Maybe we ought to get over there. And I know people work and you have challenges and all those types of things, but priorities, folks, I'm telling you, at some point, at one point, they were banging on the door of Noah's Ark. Let us in. Let us in. Let us in. I want you to take just for a moment, just for a moment, I want you to consider that all these years in church, all this time that we've spent doing all this stuff, it's not just been for something to do, just to keep our lives going, to pull the blessings of God out of the kingdom of heaven. All these years, everything that we've been doing, this talk that we've had about Jesus returning someday, God coming back. I want you to take just for a second and think about it. When that last trump sounds, the trump of God rings across this world and the church is gone. I want to be in that number because what's it going to look like? What's it going to look like, Pastor Cordell, if you're sitting here and the church is gone because I couldn't just get a little bit more prioritized with what God's calling me to do. I couldn't get on board with his desperate desire to see us reach out to other people, to get aboard his mission to do what he's asked us to do, to seek and to save that which is lost. Folks, I'm not telling you that God's about to come tomorrow. I don't know. No man knows the day or the hour. But I'm telling you, we got to start turning the corner. The church has to begin to turn the corner in getting into a mindset that we are a pre-rapture church. We are in a pre-rapture environment that the church is about to be taken away at some point. Now, whether it's five years, 10 years, two months, 15 minutes from now, I don't know. But we've got to live like he's about to come in a minute. Now, does that just mean for us, for our own selves, for our sins? Yeah, brother, sister, you better get away from some of the things you're doing. If you're doing things that are displeasing to God, if you're bringing sin into your life, if you're continuing some habits and things that you shouldn't do, yeah, you've got to exercise those things out of your life. But I'm talking about the things that we need to be doing about the king's business before that trumpet sounds. I know some people are going to end up just not really, really liking this pastor. Because i got to keep bringing it, folks. I have to keep giving you what God is giving, you, giving me to give you. Brother Marty, you led right into my message this morning. God spoke to Brother Marty, had no idea what he was going to teach this morning in adult Sunday school. Guess what? He, teach my, he taught my message. Because God spoke on him exactly what God spoke on me this week. So I'm going to take a little bit from him because his is better than mine. We've got to be about the mission. That's what I'm going to talk about today. We've got to be about the mission. 
can we shed off all of the concerns of what our eyes see? Famous, wise, and brilliant man once said, your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. Be careful for what you're taking into your eyes and what you're seeing around you. What the enemy of this world is wanting you to see and believe and take into your mind. Because it was so easy to get wrapped up in all of that stuff. It was so easy to get so invested in it. Brother Marty said it this morning. Are you afraid of socialism? You think God doesn't know what socialism is? You think God didn't know when things were going to happen in this country? You, didn't, you don't think God knew what was going to happen with all this kind of mess that's going on? He absolutely did know. Because he's in charge. And what he's saying to you this morning, come on now, you got to hear me. What he's saying to you this morning, you are my child. Come out from among them, get behind me, and get about the business that I have set for you to do. That's what he's saying to the church today. And if you think that this dorky rookie pastor is the only one that's making this message clear today, you're wrong. You can go listen to about 3,500 different recordings across the United States, and I'd be willing to guarantee that this is the same message that's coming out from pastors and ministers in this world already right now. Be encouraged. Be about the mission. I want to talk to the spirit of the world today. Will you preach with me as I read from the scriptures? I'm reading from something that was written thousands of years ago. And I'm going to speak to the spirit of the world today, so you've got to preach with me, all right? Get on board now. Get behind, Pastor, for just a moment. Second Peter, you can open your Bible. Second Peter, chapter 2. It's going to be a long one, so if you have to stay seated, that's okay. Second Peter chapter 2, I'm going to read the first 22 verses because it's very significant. Excuse me, the first 17 verses. Very significant into what we're looking at with our eyes today and being about the mission. It says, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Peter was talking about people that were going to get involved with the movement. They were going to kind of creep in with their worldly thoughts and their, and their wrong ways, their pernicious ways, the Bible says. He was warning that doctrines and thoughts and ideas were going to creep in from the spirit of the world and from agents that did not belong. And they were going to bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them. Verse 2 says, And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of the truth shall be evil spoken of. Now what I'm talking to, I'm talking to the spirit of the world right now, and I'm saying, spirit of the world, God knew already what you were going to try to pull on this church in the hours prior to the catching away of the church. He knew what you were going to bring. Pernicious ways, the truth shall be evil spoken of. It's happening right now, it's surrounding us. Evil is good and good is evil. Does that get you fired up? Does it put some self-righteousness in you? Does it make you want to stand on your word of God, dive in, open that thing up and read it and commend it to heart so that I can stand on a corner someday next to a person who's dying inside and say, listen, I've got the real truth. 
You know you don't have to be convincing with the word of God. You don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be full of all kinds of intelligence. All you've got to do is share the word. It does all the work itself. You can't destroy it, defy it, deny it, turn it down, shut it down, pervert it. When you read the word of God and you share the word of God with somebody, it's got power and it's going to get a hold of them. It says, and through covetousness they shall with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. In other words, it's coming quick. Don't feel like everything's gone and they get, every, they get their way and the world gets its way and all these people who hate Christians and hate God and hate goodness, they, it just seems like forever they have all their thing and they never, we never get anything good. The prophet Isaiah said once, I, I look at the prosperity of the wicked and my foot well nigh slipped until I realized the destination for them. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, my goodness, he created the angels to serve him. If he didn't stop the angels, or, or excuse me, if he didn't spare the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved into judgment and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly. You understand what that said? He took the evils of this world and utterly and completely destroyed it. That is their destination. That is what is at place for them to come. And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Man, I'm tired of listening to the nastiness and the filthiness and the ugliness that comes out of this spirit that's rampantly running around our nation right now. Over what? politics tired of it i'm vexed with the filthiness of the language and the conversation for that righteous that says in verse eight for that righteous man dwelling among them he's talking about lot is in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds you can be seated this morning i'm not going to keep you up longer so what that's saying is lot dealing with these people at sodom and gomorrah was vexed you understand what vexed means it, it was egregiously paining him to listen to all of this stuff. It was tearing him down, constantly listening, listening to it. That's what vexed means. Looking at their unlawful deeds. How many of you feel that way this morning? How many of you looking at the destruction of innocent business owners' property? The destruction of the integrity of our constitution, the destruction of, the, uh, of what, what's happening with the media and everything that's being pumped into our society. Do you understand today that 51% of the millennial generation believes that socialism is a good thing? 61% of Generation Z, the ones coming up right behind them, believe that socialism is a good thing. My soul is vexed with hearing that. But do I stay there? Verse 9, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations. You understand that? He knows how to assuage that vexation that you feel, that worry, that pain, that distraction that you feel. He knows how to deliver. You know why? Because he delivered Lot out of that mess. And to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. 
but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Come on now, you following me? Presumptuous are they. Oh, you want to talk presumption? Let's make some early announcements. Self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. That's good things. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord, but these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in that daytime. Come on, did you get that? They shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. They're all drinking their own Kool-Aid out there right now. They're all believing all of this stuff. You know, I've stood on it for weeks. I'm going to say it again. I don't care. I don't care the outcome because God is in control. I'm getting to a point here now. Verse 14, having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. You know what Balaam is famous for? Child sacrifice, among many other things. Verse 16, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb donkey, speaking with man's voice, forbade the madness of the prophet. He told him, warned him. Verse 17, finally, these are wells without water. There's nothing to them. There's no substance. It's all talk. It's all bravado. It's all pride and arrogance. They're wells with no water. There's nothing there. Clouds that are carried with a tempest, easily moved. Easily persuaded. Times of trouble they run. To whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. What's my point in all of that? Peter knew 2,000 years ago that this is going on. It was going to continue to go on. and The spirit of the world was going to run rampant through us and affect the churches and vex our souls But what he's trying to tell you there at the last part of that section of verse that I chose is that they've got their destination. They've got what they've got coming to them. We can't get all wrapped up in that stuff, get distracted from our mission because we've got to be about the mission. It has nothing to do with us. Now, I'm not happy about what's going to happen to some folks. I wish they weren't that way. And by God, if we have an opportunity to reach out to them, let's not do things and say things and be things we ought not be to make people run from us. Let's not divide even more. But they have their end. What I'm trying to say is that you can sever yourself from all of that. It's time to come out from among them. It's time to be about the mission God is reaching out to his church and he's saying, I've got, the the mission is simple. I've given you the word. I've given you the commission and I've given you the power. It's right here. You're full of the Holy Ghost. Sure, the storm's coming. 
Sure, hard times are coming, but I'm telling you, if you do right and you get a hold of this mission and you get on board with what God's got for you specifically to do, you're going to be a shelter in the storm. You're going to be a strong tower for those that desperately need you. You're going to be a beacon in the night, a light on the hill for those that are seeking some little bit of light and truth. I want to remind you something. Regardless of what people say they believe in, regardless of what people say they acknowledge, regardless of who they say they are and where they came from, they were created by God with an inherent desire to seek truth. And when truth is rung in their ears, they know it and it affects them. We've got to share with them the truth. The message, you don't have to live like that anymore. You don't have to live in fear, subject to the things of this world, desperately desiring something, but not having any answers, any recourse. You understand, we can give that message of hope if we separate ourselves and we're about the mission. I'm gonna take you through a few scriptures here, and I'm gonna talk about the mission inside. We've gotta get it right inside first. You know that every day is a new day. Today is the first day of the rest of your walk with Jesus Christ. Today. Today is the day. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12 and 13, it says, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Why is Peter, or excuse me, why is Paul t- telling the Thessalonians that? Because he's letting them know that God has put leaders, and I'm not just, I'm not just self-aggrandizing the pastor here. I'm looking at leaders out here. I've got men's leaders and ladies' leaders and, 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 and Sunday school leaders and pastors and bishops and family care pastor. God has given you leaders to cling on to, to turn to. God has given you leaders to draw strength from. He asks you to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. What is their work? They're out here. We're dividing the word. We're studying. We're praying. We're fasting. We're seeking God. What's the direction for me this week, God, for our church? What do they need to hear? Brother Marty, I had the same challenge that you did all week long. God, what do I say about all this mess? I called my presbyter. I called a couple other pastors. I'm just, this is not the message that I was going to preach today, but this something came over me and said, I feel like I got to stand up and be a leader for my church. God, what's your message for the church this week? And isn't it a wonderful thing that he gave us the same path? 1 Timothy 5, 17 through 21 says, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. That includes Brother Marty teaching this morning, or Brother Meyer, or, or Brother Matson, or any of us teachers, the ones that God has placed in our leadership. They're, they're here seeking, and he didn't know what he was going to pre- preach this morning either. But God spoke to his heart, gave him direction, and it tied together with my message as well. It's his message. Verse 18, for the scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. You know why? Because I'm doubly responsible also. I'm held to a higher regard, and I will be. I'll stand before God someday, and he's going to say, did you do what I told you to do? Did you preach it between the black covers? Did you give them everything that I gave you to give the church? I'm held responsible for that, and I'm telling you today, the message isn't go out there and rally and fight and get political and divide people. That's not the message. The message is get about the mission of the church. 
laborer is worthy of his reward, and against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Them that sin rebuke before all, the others, that all others also may fear. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing in partiality. The mission inside is if there's division amongst us. I'm not talking about Republican and Democrat. I'm talking about this idea or that idea. You watch bringing railing accusation. You better know what you're talking about. We've got to start shedding those things off, those unimportant uh, political issues, dislikes and likes. You know, they told me it's probably going to be three to five years before many of the church really acknowledges me as the pastor of this church. Three to five years. (laughs) I don't know if you've got three to five years to wait, so hopefully something catches on. But I'm not the only one that God has raised up here. Brother Gerbing, fantastic job last week. I loved your message. Thank you for signing back on and saying I'm willing to step up and I'm willing to share the wisdom of God. Brother Gerbing is a very, very uh, astute study of the word of God. I've known him for many, many years. I was thrilled when he said, yes, I'll step up and I'll be in your rotation to teach. You're going to hear some great and awesome things. Sister Gerbing, thank you for stepping up in 10-10-10. Wonderful testimony, excuse me, wonderful uh, uh, devotion that you gave. There's more than just me is what I'm saying. John 13 and 20, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that receiveth whomever I send receiveth me. He that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. Okay? So who does God send? God sends a pastor to you. May not be the one you wanted, but he did send one. I can guarantee you that. He sends teachers. Once in a while, we'll have an evangelist. If there's an evangelist standing here, God sent them here. Listen to their words. Heed what they have to say. How about visiting ministers? Sometimes our district leadership comes. These are people that God has raised and put into our lives. You have to understand, I'm subject to them also. I'm subject to the voice of leaders. I'm under somebody. I report to an authority myself. I'm not autonomous at all. This is the internal mission, you understand? This is the mission. We've got to break away from all the other nonsense. Galatians 5 and 14. Now this is directed more at the body, and I'm part of that. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You've heard me quote it many times. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed of one another. You know what's going on out there right now? Oh, the biting and the nastiness and the devouring. Wouldn't it be a shame if we found that being echoed in the church of God? Wouldn't that be a shame if it was found in pockets of the apostolic faith that we were echoing and mimicking what we see going on out there? You see, come out from among them. We can't bring the characteristics of the spirit of the world into the church. You gotta bite your tongue, get on your knees, say something else, say a prayer, get into the word of God, go to the altar and repent. The Bible says, if you know that somebody's got something against you, believe it here at the altar and go and find them and make it right. Don't rationalize your behavior. Well, I'm just not gonna talk. I, nope, sister so-and-so, I don't like her. Mm-mm. You're reflecting the world. You're reflecting the spirit of the world. And the enemy's happy about it. Galatians 5, looking down again, a little further down, 24 and 25, after the fruit of the Spirit. I won't cover those again. You know them well. I encourage you to study and be about them. But verse 24 says it this way, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Hear that again. They that are Christ. Are you Christ? Do you belong to him? Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? 
If you are Christ's, you have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. If you do not know what that means, if you don't understand what it means to walk in the spirit, please get yourself into a Bible study. Call your pastor. Look to your best uh, mentor. I want to know what it is to walk in the spirit because I'm telling you, it's a crucial aspect of what we're going to do if we're going to make it. Because the opposite is doom. Walking in the flesh is your certain doom. You will not make it. Right? 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9 says, Finally, be all of one mind. That's unity. You know, unity doesn't just happen. It just doesn't, we don't flip a switch and say, hey, we're all unified now. You don't get to sit back in your pew and say, well, I'm waiting for the church to be unified. And it's the pastor's responsibility to do that. We don't have unity right now. Who's being the cause of unity who's doing that? Right? That's not how it works. You've got to strive for unity. What is it going to take to get to unity then? Well, we can't all be completely unified. You know what? I don't like to wear purple suits. But there's people that like purple suits. So should that be divider for us or should I just, you be okay with the fact that I'm never going to wear a purple suit? You understand some things we got to give up. We got to walk in the spirit. The flesh desires the things that we like, that we want, that satisfy us. But some of those things just aren't working with other people. So you can't let that divide you. That's not unity. Sometimes you just got to say, you know what? Maybe that person's a little bit quiet. Maybe she just isn't a real social person. Instead of going, well, you know, she's not very friendly. Maybe we should just accept, you know, some people are introverted. Some people are scared to death in crowds. Maybe some people just struggle with that type of thing. They're not big blabbermouth conversationalists like your pastor is. Right? Man, pastor needs to lose some weight. I just don't know if I can go to that church anymore. He's walking back and forth and his belly's swinging along back with him. I got some keto partners that are helping me out. Coming up. Do you understand what I'm saying? Unity doesn't happen just because we say, well, you guys should be unified. If you walk in the spirit, you can be unified because some things aren't going to matter. Right? Goes on in verse nine to say, have, I'm sorry, having compassion one another, love as brethren, be pitiful and be courteous. Does pitiful mean be, you know, just gross and weird and odd? And No, it, it simply means have pity, have understanding, be nice, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. This is the internal mission. I want to read to you a passage. I want to go on further down in that passage in 1 Peter verse three, or chapter 3. Go to verse 10. And Peter, Peter had it going on. He knew exactly. He was inspired by God, and he knew exactly what was coming for the world. He knew what the spirit of the world was. He got a little wrapped up in it there, if you remember. He denied Christ three times. He let the spirit of the world get a hold of him. Fear crept in on him. Well, I don't want to admit that I know Christ. They might kill me too. Peter knew exactly what the spirit of the world could do, and he, he, he hated the fact that he allowed the spirit of the world get a hold of him that he actually did deny Christ, but he repented of it. You know the difference between Judas and Peter? Is Peter repented. 
1 Peter 3, 10 through 18 says this. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. You know how you get really influenced with that stuff? Watch news. Hang around with people that have angry spirits and bad attitudes and spirits of the world that you've tried for years to reach them with the word of God, invite them to church, tried to share with them your testimony, but they just, they're full of anger, bitterness, filthy language, guile. Come out from among them. Verse 11, let, the, let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto the prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? You think God doesn't know what socialism is? You think God doesn't know what the government can do? Do you really realize how far down the road we are? How much of the Constitution's been chipped away? How much the courts have been ruined? You know, that's, I love, this, I love this, whole, this whole thing about the systemic problems that we have in our nation right now. And yet it just seems to me that the spirit of the world operates at every single level in a dominating fashion, right? The spirit of the world has the school system, you know that, right, from kindergarten on up. That's why 51% of the millennials believe socialism is a good thing because it's pumped into them from the time they're in kindergarten all the way up through college. But he's got the grade schools. He's got the middle schools. He's got the high schools. He's got the universities. He's got media, Hollywood. He's got all the major institutions, all the media outlets, all the newspapers. They own everything in secular society. And yet they can't stop the word of God from moving forward. So who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? Not sometimes good, not rationalizing the bad and then being good, but being good. But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror. Neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Do you understand what Peter just said there? Your job is not to worry about all the nonsense. You, can't, you shouldn't be troubled by their terrors. They want you to be. You understand that right now, right? There's a certain individual involved with this stuff that's going on that's sitting back and laughing and going, oh, I know the churches are just terrified right now. They know we're coming after them. The spirit of the world is rallying just like the day Jesus crucified. Oh, they're excited. They're chomping at the bit. There's groups that want to shut churches down, take away tax exemption, all that kind of stuff. The spirit of the world is just, he's just stomping and champing and having a great time. They want that terror to creep onto you. If you allow it. But he said to be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that's in you. You know what that means? 
Brother Marty, you said it this morning. What's on your face? Let that shine. What you were talking about is letting the glory of God shine, right? You were talking about letting what God is doing in your life, Jesus Christ, shine through you. The Bible says that without holiness, no man shall see God. We've got to be holy in all that we do so that God is reflected in us, that they see him through us. You have the opportunity to be the word of God for people. So when it says, when they want to know what's the reason for the hope that's inside you, you can simply say, I've got a testimony. I know Jesus Christ and there's a reason I'm hopeful that's what he's encouraging you to do forget about everything else be willing to be a walking testimony of what God's done in your life is there anybody in the house this morning that God's done just a couple little good things for you say hey that's pretty awesome or is there somebody that can stand up right now and worship the king of kings and the lord of lords and say God's pulling me out of a pit of hell God has given me a healing my son was almost dead in the hospital and God brought him back God healed my daughter of cancer took ovarian cancer out of her come on now let's shout it out and let's let God know let's let the spirit of the world know there's nothing going to give me terror I face death And God stepped in and took it away. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. Let that stuff rise up in you and be a walking testimony. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than evil-doing. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. What Peter's saying is there, he said, if it be the will of God, that we've got to suffer a little bit, that we're going to face some challenges, things are going to be kind of rough, it's going to be tougher, I don't know, I have no idea what that could look like. And it's a big if right now, remind you. There's nothing resolved right now. There was nothing resolved at Calvary. The flesh, Jesus Christ, had died. The ghost had been given up. But it wasn't over. But they were rallying. They were partying. They were having a great time. Because they won. We won. They declared victory. There's nothing decided yet. But if it be the will of God, it's better that you're being about the business of him, doing good and eschewing evil. I'm going to close with this this morning, and I've shared this with you in the past, but I thought it appropriate to bring it back up. I told you about the mission inside, what we need to do. We have an internal mission, right? We've got to push everything about the secular world out of the church, anything that creeps in. And then we have a mission about what we need to do people around us. But look what they did in the book of Acts. Turn to the book of Acts chapter 5. I'm going to go through these rather quickly. The book of Acts is where the church was planted. It's where the miracles were happening. You know, it was very short, shortly after 
the book of, of Acts, when the persecution of the church started, they were in glory. They had saved 3,000 on one day and 5,000 another day, and they were meeting from house to house, and everything was glorious and fun, and, and somebody made really good bunt cake, and other people brought the chips and the guacamole, and it was just a great time. They shared the word of God, and they gave everything they had, and everything was wonderful and kind, but shortly thereafter, things started coming down. Peter and John were arrested. I mean, Acts chapter 4, they're standing before the Sanhedrin being challenged for preaching the name Jesus. If you're going to be ashamed of the name Jesus, I fear for you, because Peter and John stood before the Sanhedrin, knowing that they, knowing that they wanted to imprison them and, and put them away. They stood there and said, you can't preach Jesus anymore. You're causing trouble. And he said, well, well, this is the deal here. There is no other salvation name given to us. We have to preach Jesus. That's the one name that has been given to us for all men to be saved. Can you do it? Can you be about the mission? Because Peter and John were about the mission. They stood before the spirit of the world and said, Jesus is the way that salvation happens. Acts chapter 5 and 28, it says that they filled Jerusalem with their doctrine. That's their mission. They filled Jerusalem with their doctrine. Can we look for ways to get out into coffee shops and diners and places around this community? Have little spot Bible studies. Just throw a little sign up. Do something. Maybe at your house in your neighborhood. Say, hey, free Bible studies here. Something that we can do to fill Jerusalem with the word of God. Because you know what's going to stave back the onslaught of the evil that's coming this way? Is the word of God pronounced and profound only living in our community. Acts chapter 8 and 4, they said they went everywhere preaching the word. They were about the mission. Acts 17 and 6 says that they have turned the world upside down. Someday I want to stand before God and I want to see if God's going to look at me and say, hey, Cordell, good job because you went in there with the word and you turned your world upside down. Come on now. Can you turn your world upside down? Can you go in and share some things? Rock some people's world with what God's doing for you? Finally, in Acts chapter 19 and 10, it says, all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. They filled Jerusalem with the doctrine. They went everywhere preaching the word. They turned the world upside down and they filled all of Asia with the word of the Lord Jesus. You can stand with me this morning. You gotta be about the mission. I'm not gonna back off of this, I'm not gonna stop. This is the mission of the church, we're an outreach church. And we've got some great blessings coming and some great things are gonna happen and God is gonna take us forward. I don't care what happens, I don't care who the senator is, who the congressman and who's the president is, I don't care who's running things, we have a mission and we need to be about the mission. Famous uh, German pastor and theologian, martyr, spy, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in 1943, he was asked the question, how was it possible for the church to sit back and let Hitler seize absolute power uh, over everything that was going on? Now, I want you to understand, I'm not relating anything that's happening to Hitler. This was just asked of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You can model this to anything. How did you let socialism creep in? How did, how did the church do this? The church is under fire for this, by the way, right now. People are saying, well, why didn't the church stand up and do something? Oh, well, we did. We did our part. Dietrich Bonhoeffer's answer was simply this. It was the teaching of cheap grace. This is in 1943. He said, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. This pastor in this pulpit is gonna teach the difference between sin and grace. 
We have to preach against sin. We can't mollycoddle anybody. But we gotta love each other through that process. He said baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession, cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, and grace without Jesus Christ. We live in a culture in a time right now that not only teaches cheap grace, but celebrates it. We gotta go back to Pentecost. This past weekend was gonna be our leadership rally. I was gonna announce the new vision that God's given me for 2021. And it's return to Pentecost. Revive, renew, and reclaim our purpose. The purpose of this church, the mission, is to seek and to save that which is lost. That means we teach about sin, we teach about grace, and we teach the plan of salvation. But as Brother Marty said this morning in his message, we need everybody on board, all hands on deck. Nobody's in timeout, nobody's retired, nobody's on vacation. Because when that trump sounds, and it's gonna sound, I wanna be one that's got my oil and my lamp full. And the word of God coming from my mouth. I want God to catch me sharing his word. The book of Revelation says that we will overcome him, talking about the spirit of the world. We will overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And I want God to catch me sharing my testimony, constantly engaged in the process of sharing the word. And you should want that too. That should be your mission. If it takes you three to five years before you hear me, I'm sorry for you. But I'm telling you today that this is what God is asking with the church. In Jesus' name. Lord, we're so thankful, God. Lord, what a privilege that you've given us so much grace, so much mercy, so much time and patience, God, long-suffering, waiting for us to truly understand the mission of the church. You've blessed us with our creature comforts. You've blessed us with health and happiness more than we could possibly ever thank you for. God, more than we probably need. But God, I want to tell you today that we as a church know that there are desperately lost souls. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.